0: Well as you see, the screen is coming down and in a moment, uh, Ricky will project a painting that is from about 1300. And the image that will be before you is from the painter's name is Giotto, G-I-O-T-T-O. And it's a depiction of the story that I'm about to read for you from the Gospel of Luke. And it's where the angel Gabriel on your left comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to bear a child. Many of us know the name of it. It's called the Annunciation. This one, though, is from a series of frescoes in a small little chapel in Padua, Italy. And this chapel is a bit of a Mecca for art historians. As I said, Giotto painted this about 1300, but it's really one of the earliest, more realistic human depictions since antiquity. Giotto is painting about 170 years before the Renaissance really unfolds in its fullness. But as I said, he was the foundation for what became the great paintings of the Renaissance because of his rebirth of more human, realistic paintings. This one is from a series that describes the life of Christ from the Annunciation to his birth to his death to his resurrection and here is how the gospel of luke imagines as Giotto imagined the scene as well god sent the angel gabriel to nazareth a town in galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david the virgin's name was mary The angel went to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will descend, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This ends our reading from the Gospel of Luke. May these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Some years ago in Advent, I preached a two-week sermon series, first Sunday on Mary and the next Sunday on Joseph, that stoic, reticent, and faithful partner and husband of Mary. But much to my embarrassment on that Sunday morning, when I looked in the bulletin, I realized there had been a small mistake and it was only but one letter, but it made a big difference. The sermon title was supposed to be Joseph, the man who loves Mary. But what appeared in the bulletin, just one letter difference, read more like a teaser for a racy television drama. It read, Joseph, the man who loves many. (laughs) Really? Come on, one letter? But in spite of the misprint, the sermon lifted up the idea that Joseph is a little like us, ordinary, not prone to the miraculous. Yet, when asked to do what is right, Joseph does, and faithfully follows a God who can even bring hope out of a scandal. And of course, the partner in that scandal was Mary. And for those of you born on the Protestant side of the Christian equation, you've probably spent some time wondering What to do about Mary? What's all the fuss? And by fuss, I mean that except for Jesus, there's no other person in scripture who's more often depicted in art than Mary. Most often, artists have imagined and painted the very scene read from Luke, the very scene that Giotto imagined as well. The moment when the angel Gabriel announces to Mary that she, that's right, She is part of God's plan. Mary has, in effect, as one writer suggested, been asked to smuggle God into the world. The scene, as I said, is called the Annunciation, the Announcement. And Mary, an angel says to Mary in this moment, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. And guess what? Mary's troubled. Some translations say a more accurate word is perplexed. I mean, thank goodness, right? Any other reaction would seem peculiar. But troubled is a poetic and maybe a euphemistic way of saying she was worried. Well, maybe scared, right? Because here is this young girl who had little experience with love, angels, or men. And so, of course, she's troubled, perplexed, scared. And that's okay. Scripture is replete with stories of people who might be frightened, troubled, sometimes even annoyed, by God's call to difficult tasks. And what the angel says to Mary in the Gospel of Luke is almost exactly what an angel says to Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew. An angel says to each of them in different stories, don't be afraid. Do not fear the trouble, perhaps even the inconvenience of following God. I mean, I suppose Mary could have refused the request of Gabriel, could have chosen not to smuggle God's love into the world. But she doesn't refuse. And her life, of course, becomes one of such remarkable faithfulness, such dedication to God, that her devotion gives rise to a beautiful saying of our faith that Mary was the first at the manger, and the last at the cross. The first at the manger, and the last at the cross. She was troubled at being chosen to bring God's love into the world, but she was faithful to the painful end. Maybe, maybe in smaller ways, that is the challenge in our lives as well. I mean, it is seldom convenient to bear God's love into an often unreceptive world. And yet, at the Last Supper on Monday Thursday, we remember that Jesus commands us to love one another, love one another as he has loved us. I mean, that can be terribly inconvenient, And yes, sometimes even perplexing, because Jesus also tells us to love our enemies. That can be greatly troubling. So on this second Sunday of Advent, I ask you to consider, even to ponder these words that come from a medieval mystic who was wondering about the anticipation of Christ's birth in his own life. And he asked some questions in the Advent season, and they might be ours as well. And he asked, what good is it that Mary was full of grace if I am not? What good is it to await Christ's birth if I do not allow Christ's spirit of love to be born into my own time, my own home, my own heart? But, friends, we know it can be inconvenient to carry Christ's love into a sometimes unreceptive world. It is sometimes inconvenient for Christ's Spirit to be born into our own lives, our offices, our schools, and, yes, our own hearts. And, yes, it sometimes might be inconvenient, but it also takes courage to carry Christ's love into the world. And so, friends, if courage is what you need to carry that love into your own rhythm and pattern of your Monday through Saturday lives, then listen again to the words of the angel as he spoke to Mary and the echo that we hear of God's call. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Luke imagined that scene and described it with words. Giotto painted it on the wet plaster of a wall in Italy. They both did, so that we might never forget that Mary smuggled God's love and forgiveness into our world. And this morning, this morning, that table is spread with the simple gifts of bread and juice. And these simple gifts smuggle God's love and forgiveness to you. Friends, it is the custom and conviction of this congregation to practice an open communion, which means that every person present is free and welcome to receive this bread and this cup, to receive God's love and God's forgiveness. This morning, we will serve one another. And so as you pass the elements from one person to the next, loved one, stranger, friend, familiar face, when you pass the bread, we say, the bread of life. And when we pass the cup, the cup of God's love. So receive now this invitation. Come to this table this morning not because you must, but because you may. Come not because you are already fulfilled, but because in your emptiness, you stand in need of God's mercy and God's love. Let us come to this table not to express an opinion, but to receive a spirit. Come to this table then, just as you are. Let us prepare our hearts by lifting them to God in prayer. God of all mercy, we confess before you and in each other that we have often lacked love for our neighbors. We have wasted opportunities to do good. We have looked the other way when you cry out to us in the suffering of our brothers and sisters in need. We ask your forgiveness and pray for strength that we may follow in your way and love all your people with the perfect love that casts out all fear. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. God is making us new. Our past does not prescribe our future. God will dwell with us and make us a new people. And in God's service and love, we will discover a new way of being. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Bless therefore by your Holy Spirit these gifts of bread and cup. Bless each and every one of us as we receive them at this table, that we may offer you our faith and praise and may be united with Christ and with one another, and we may continue faithful in all things. Amen. The words that I'm about to repeat are some of the oldest written words in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul records them in his letter to the church in Corinth saying that he received these words from those who came before him. And so on the night of Jesus' betrayal on the eve of his death, he gathered the disciples together for the feast of Passover and there Jesus took the bread And after giving thanks for it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. Ministering to you in Christ's name, we give you this bread.